All right. Hey, welcome to the Pittsburgh Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Rob. This is episode seven. Seven. Yes. Um, and today we've got um, basically two two topics, more or less, um, and some subtopics, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we're just gonna just gonna rip like the whole time. Just banter. It's all <laughs> just you banter. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess what. One of the things we talked about in a past episode was the, I guess, video game trend of Battle Royale games. Yes. And our general fandom of, of the new genre and also like our feelings on the different offerings. And now there's a massive changeup, you know, in what's, what's available. A huge us. shift has happened. One of the giant <laughs> colossus of the shooting genre, Call of Duty, just came out with Call of Duty Black Ops 4 yep. this past weekend. And uh, included in that is a new mode called Blackout, which is their version of Battle Royale. Yep, it's the same um, basic setup of 100 players, last man standing wins. You can play in teams of two, teams of four, or on your own. And this time, uh, it exists in a good game, which is, I think, (laughs) the first... Uh, the first time that's actually happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) I think we're in in agreement there. Uh, you know, we talked at length about the differences between Fortnite and, and PUBG prior episode, on the prior episode, but just a quick recap. Um, you know, the strengths of PUBG were, in my opinion, the quote unquote realism against video games. So yeah, <laughs> it goes so only goes so far. And I, uh, to me, what I meant, what I mean when I say realism in the game is like, the kind of the military theme of like these things exist in real life and I, they're a little bit more relatable and less cartoony, I guess. And then, in my opinion, that was a strength of PUBG and there was no building. It was also a strength of PUBG. Well, I think if you appreciate building in Fortnite, that that's a strength, but that's a difference for sure of what Fortnite is. Uh, Fortnite was more polished. A lot of user base had more, uh, more content updates, more frequently, and less buggy, yeah. for sure. Uh, it, we didn't discuss this at all, but Fortnite lacks a first-person mode. It does. That's which a good point. we definitely mostly preferred for yeah. both PUBG and now Blackout yep. is also a first-person. Yeah, so Call of Duty has always been a first-person uh, uh, oriented game. game. Yeah, first-person shooter. There you go. Struggling um, a little bit, Rob. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so now we have a... a Large studio making a polished and hopefully frequently updated, um, you know, military themed version of this, you know, battle royale. And uh, after spending some time playing it, it's good. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's actually like really good. It's pretty good. (laughs) Um, Literally just got it today, and it's uh, we've only played it like uh, if anyone, you know. I did, I did to get the screw around with the beta a little bit. Now the beta oh, was that's buggy. Right. That's right. So I didn't get to do much with the beta. Yeah. But. And, yeah, and at the point of. It's so pretty. At the point we were playing this morning, it was also buggy because only half the game had downloaded. Yeah. Now, thankfully they did prioritize blackout, so they obviously knew what their strength yeah. was. Um, but, uh, there was a little bit of performance hiccups here and there. I'm sure that'll, that'll go away once, uh, once the download stops in the background. The general acknowledgement from like the rest of like the review community and the online is that it's like, it's arguably been like one of the smoothest launches of yeah. any Call of Duty game yeah. online. 
Though I did see a weird report that someone was like, this is the lowest physical copy selling Call of Duty ever. I'm like, well, that's, that's who kind the of the fuck point. Buys, who buys physical games? <laughs> that is kind like, of the even point. on console, like, and especially, yeah. especially PC, no one buys physical games on PC. Yeah. It, yeah. That's not a thing. In retrospect, it makes, I don't know if you remember the Xbox One launch where, uh, they were talking about, they're really pumping up like digital releases. And Microsoft was even saying stuff like you couldn't share games between people, etc. And it was this huge uproar. The game community was like, "Yeah, yeah." Know? They're like, "Oh, but I can't sell my game. I can't back. sell my game. I can't lend, lend it to a friend." And in retrospect, that looks really silly because look at what's happening. People are buying yeah. their own. Well, prices. I mean, I think anyone that's played on PC before knew that that was never a feature that was going to come. I mean, yeah. maybe you even had product keys with PC yeah. games that meant that you couldn't share them. Uh, but yeah, no, it's so silly. And I, I hated the whole like selling back games thing. Because especially oh, if you look at the, like, unlike books and other things, like, there's no um, royalties that, no. like, go to game exactly. developers. So, like, GameStop and, like, all these other, like, um, full, like, game reselling, like, stores, it's a pure profit machine. Yeah. Like, that's why they incentivize you to buy used games, because they make all of the money from that. Yep. And then they give you nickels <laughs> yep. when you trade it back in. Like, it's a... It's a fucking scam, man. Yeah. The, the other funny thing I saw was like it was the most profitable like release of all time, video games, mm-hmm. which is are funny to me because you can easily you can easily spend one hundred twenty dollars on this game if oh, you wanted to. Absolutely. Um, so it's like okay, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best selling game because it, it, you can spend now, so much. Yeah, it's not the first one to have those no, like not at all. and upsells. Um, I mean, I love to look at the numbers because. I've complained on the podcast before. Even though I liked Destiny, I hate, in retrospect, how much I spent yeah. on that game over the years. Yeah. Because that was easily, yeah, almost like 200 bucks. Like, yeah. like, if you think, like, it was three major expansions. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a I lot. Mean, of, well, maybe, maybe close to 150, but even still, like, that's a lot of money to spend be, on a game. It would be interesting years. to compare it to because, you know, ostensibly it was like, to most people, it's like, oh well, I'm not, I'm not spending a, you know, a monthly fee. Although I guess for Xbox Live, maybe you were. But to compare it to like a WoW type thing, because it was yeah, trying to be, thing. it was trying it was to be trying a to... shooter version of a WoW format. Yeah. And if you look, if you compare, like, okay, buying WoW sixty dollars up front back in the day and fifteen dollars a month for two years. Yeah. Versus all the expansions you bought in Destiny, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know which one would come out on top. Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure either. And I mean WoW's had to change their business model oh, yeah. um, a lot. Yeah. Like now you only you, instead of having to buy like all previous expansions, you buy it's basically if you buy the base game, you get all the expansions sure. except for the newest one. Sure. And then um there's a, a lot of other ways that you can create player time. And I mean, you look at Fortnite, which, which has their own like season pass, but a season is like three months kind of instead of thing. So it's uh, there are a lot of people playing with different business models. Very, how, yeah. How do you cr- have a game where you're creating constant content and, and keeping still, it profitable? Yes, exactly. So and there's there's lines. I mean, I said you can do like Blizzard does and latch on people for World of Warcraft and then use that money to release new content in Overwatch for free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. I, well, going uh, back to... More Hearthstone, I think. The world. Hearthstone is Prince money. Yeah. So much money. 
I had no idea. Because <laughs> nope. that, that's that's a free-to-play game, but yeah. it's like it's a trading card game. Yeah. So you spend real-world money. You can spend real-world money on booster packs oh, for like sure. a chance at cards. Sure. So, yeah. Wow. They just mint money off that. And that's one of, one of the things I'm interested to see about Blackout and Call of Duty 4 in general, or Black Ops 4 in general, is uh, is how that will shake out. You know, PUBG... Is only thirty bucks, and that's it. Yeah. So and okay, you can buy some in-game, you know, yeah, cosmetics. Yeah. Um, which people do. People do. Which people do. But and um, and then Fortnite is free with in-game cosmetics and season passes and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think the core community of Fortnite does do season passes. Yeah. Like it's not as obscure, but yeah, you could in theory just play free. Yeah. Um, on now, every platform on, ever. on all these <laughs> games, yeah, true. All these games, at least so far, have in common that there's no there's no pay to win aspect of this. Yeah. Um, unless you count like, you know, one uni- one uniform you're wearing is a little bit more camouflage than another. I, I wouldn't count that. <laughs> no, it's not the same mechanics as like Battlefront had to deal with when they came out. Yeah, where like. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, what is, you know, Call of Duty, it seems to take the strengths of both of these, in my opinion. Uh, I guess some people might like the cartoony aspect more, especially, like, if you play games with your kids, I could understand, like, okay, I don't want to play this bloody military shooter with my kids. Right, yeah, it's definitely a Um, different, uh, I mean, as far as ratings go. Sure. It's it's an M game versus, like, I assume it's an M game, I assume you can turn but off there the blood. Was, yeah, you yeah. can turn off the blood because you know shooting someone and no blood coming out is better for them than seeing <laughs> you know, physical results from their violence. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's not training people to right. you know, view humans at all. <laughs> <laughs> it, the option should be if you turn off the blood, all of your guns like look like Nerf guns too. <laughs> First of all, that would be fun. That would be great. Can you imagine like all the weird like Nerf? Yeah. Pro- I'm that, sure they that would be super bizarre. Nerf must have come out the game. At some I feel point. that. Well, I feel there was like it wasn't like a straight up like content filter, but I feel like there was a shooter at some point where like there was an option that turned it into like paintball or like something like yeah. super weirdly cartoony. I think Rainbow, could, Rainbow Six had that. I think yeah, one of the original be, Rainbow Sixes. Yeah. I think that's what I was thinking of. Uh, and then and there's also the option. Like that Nintendo did with their first multiplayer, first person Splatoon. Yeah, yeah. Which was like, it, they're not guns; they're squids. They're squids with shooting ink. ink. <laughs> yeah, because right. <laughs> that's that's a thing. That's better. Yeah. So uh, okay, my first impression. Yeah, we're getting off topic. We've here. played. I've played two or three matches. I think Adam's played two. Or yeah, three, roughly about the maybe same. Maybe more on in the beta and. Uh, first impression, I mean, just launching the game, like getting into like the loading screen, like immediately you're presented with the, the polish of it all, oh. you know? I mean, how many issues have we had with PUBG? Oh, with man. the lobby. Just in the lobby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, graphics are great. And you get in, you get into the match and your character has a wingsuit, um, instead of like just a regular kind of skydiver and, and like jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah. Um, and apparently, I haven't experienced this yet, but Adam was telling me that the wing, you have the wingsuit the whole time in the game. Yeah. So like you can jump off like a tall building that you've climbed up mid-match, and you'll 
pop it out and scoop it down the ground. It's like no fall damage. Yeah. That's great. That's that, always good. That just makes you feel like a superhero. Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> my first experience with PUBG, um, I got caught outside the zone, found a motorcycle, thankfully, before, you know, started driving that motorcycle, got into the safe area, and went to get off my motorcycle, but I was going too fast. Those are my favorite deaths. And I died. <laughs> like, the ones where we were playing it and, like, I accidentally hit F instead of R. So, like, I'm trying to reload, but yeah. I drop out of the vehicle. I just smash into the ground and kill myself. So, I I wonder if that damages. I guess if there's no fall damage, can you die from getting run well, over? We, I, I don't think either of us have experience in vehicles yet. We haven't done vehicles yet. So, I'm not sure if you would get hurt to getting out of a vehicle. Yeah. While it's moving, I would hope so. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think past like Call of Duty games or, or other similar. I don't games. feel like I've ever it controlled it my own vehicle in a Call of Duty game, other yeah. than like the like drones. But yeah, so we'll we'll see how that works. Yeah, but I think the Call of Duty. I think what it comes down to is Call of Duty is like trying to hit that sweet spot between Fortnite. Like, PUBG veers, in my opinion, too much on the realism yeah. side uh, to the point that it, like, hampers the fun aspects of gameplay. Um, because yeah. that's what they prioritize sure. is what they like. And Fortnite kind of goes the other way where it's a little bit too silly, a little bit too manic yeah. for for my personal taste. Something- I think Call of Duty is laying right in that sweet spot. Something I was thinking about uh, today was that and maybe this is a result of me not playing enough Fortnite. Maybe. Yeah, you ditched it pretty quick. But the idea of, like, the whole concept around, like, having the color-coded, like, weapons. I, and maybe, I don't, can't remember if we mentioned this last time. But to me, it's just, like, the weapons should be clearly different from the way they shoot and the way they sound. That's just, like, I think you're getting, I think you're too hung up on that. That's maybe. very much based on, like... Like, you don't play as many, like, RPGs. And, yeah. And so, like, that's a straight-up, like, MMO class rank oh, for okay. weapons. Like, the colors... I mean, I don't know if anyone did this before WoW, but that was, like, WoW's yeah. thing. Okay. Um, but you're right that it's much more, like... It's... You can't tell from, like, someone else's weapon. Yeah. Like, color coding kind of makes stat-based differently, but within PUBG, it's very much based on your, like... We internally have our own, like, wish which SMG we prefer. Like, you like the Vector best, and I think the UMP9 or whatever is, like, a little, yeah. you know, more responsive to what I like. I like the bigger magazine. But it's not like one is better than the other sure. one universally. Sure. Whereas Fortnite went with broader categories, and then, like, within those categories, a simple loot-based, like, finding better weapons. Yeah. One thing, one thing I think ICOT does better than both games is picking up weapons. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Felt way more seamless and easy. Yeah. And oh, the f- the feel the feel back from the weapons yeah. was so good. Yeah, definitely. Like I picked up that like machine gun and it just it felt really great. Yeah, Call of Duty. I mean, sure. that's something Call of Duty, you know, since the first game, I feel like they've been really good at the feel of weapons, the gunplay kind of yeah. side of things. And yeah, we'll, we'll get more into it, but I'm hoping with like a very tight, like shooting mechanic as well. Like this could be, uh, this could be like the premier battle royale. Yeah. Out there, I think. Very easily. 
We, um, we were talking earlier about um, like bleed off of different communities right now. So I could definitely see it pulling people from Fortnite who are only there because they don't want to mess with like PUBG's nonsense yeah. or because it's so popular. But Call of Duty is such a big name, it'll draw from that. And if it, um, but I think Fortnite will still be around. I think the real thing is like with PUBG, if people abandon PUBG for a working, yeah, not I as think, realistic, but still militaristic PUBG, shooter, it could kill the PUBG community. It's, it's more, it it's much more at risk, especially when you have, it's only console releases on Xbox One, and it barely works on a base Xbox One. You really need an X to run it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons Fortnite's done so well is its console releases. Yeah. Um, but Blackout runs great on all the consoles. So yeah. um, it's easily going to snag. I mean, all of the all the PS4 players that don't like the cartoony nature of Fortnite, they've got their game now. Yeah. All the Xbox One players who don't have an X... They've got their game. Like, they're not going to mess with PUBG anymore. That's running at 25 frames per second. Exactly. That's getting released slower than PC. Yeah. And while I still think there's definitely a PC community for PUBG that will still exist, I think a lot of the, the mainstay from the PC community is going to go to Call of Duty. Yeah. Especially because there's a huge part of the PC gaming community that is obsessed with graphics. Oh, yeah. And True. And you get way better version than anybody's stuff yeah. on Call of Duty, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see... Um, so, like like I said, I was still playing while I was downloading in the background. So, I'm interested to... I haven't had a good chance to really see, like, how does this perform... This isn't much a review as, like, a first impression. It's first impressions. How does this I, perform in relation to other games at this hardware, etc.? So far, it looks good. I think um, we can promise our listeners that we will talk more. I'm sure we'll revisit about it. Black Ops and Blackout. What here? Blackout or Tapout? <laughs> there you go. Um, so Blackout is the, just one piece of the game. Oh yeah, we haven't we haven't even touched on traditional Call of Duty multiplayer yep. or zombies yet. Yeah. So um, I haven't even tried that. I'm sure that'll we'll discuss that more. To me, oh, there is a cool new zombies mode though that I'm looking forward to. Yeah. What 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 it says to me is that okay, you have PUBG, which is obviously it's revolutionary in a lot of ways for what we what it's done to the gaming industry. But like all the skills you gain in PUBG, like don't translate too well to other games. You know what I mean? Um, there's not like if you have a hankering for a regular team deathmatch. And yeah. you've been playing, you know. There's no, there's no tra- skill transfer other than like the basic, you know, you know, aim and fire type skill transfer. Whereas in Call of Duty now, you are getting a familiarity with all these different weapons that you can now go and use in traditional game yeah. game types and you know friends party game types in the zombie mode. And I think that's a strength for it as well. well we haven't even mentioned that Call of Duty is skewed single player. But I'm actually pretty enthusiastic about it. Yeah. It means they were able to put more time into something like Blackout. Yeah. And it's kind of an acknowledgement that like the way single player I'm not I love a lot of single player games. Um like some of my favorite games. Probably my favorite game of the last year was like Witcher Three, yeah. which is an exclusive single player experience. Definitely. But they're definitely embracing like this is what shooting is. This is what people really want out of these games. Multiplayer 10 years ago with a sideshow yeah. to the main game. And this Call of Duty particularly is like, it's so much more the main focus that we didn't even put a single player experience into it. It's really exciting to And me. we can do story without yeah. single player. Yeah. Now, 
This has been tried in the past. Um, Titanfall 1, for example. Yeah. Oh, man. You want to talk a... There was a PS3 launch title called Mag. Massive That's action right. game. That's right. Terrible. <laughs> Real cool idea. Like it looked so cool. But it did not execute well. It was like a 64 player game. Yeah, it was like for consoles, it was a huge yeah. player mashup and they like tried to, you get like smaller, it would self-assign you to like smaller squads yeah. that could then have like leaders. And That's like, right. They can make like checkpoints for you to go through yeah. and you get experience bonuses if you ran together. And it also did like a faction thing where you'd play. There was like one faction that looked like regular military dudes. There was one faction where everyone like wore hoodies and had AKs. And then there was one faction that uh, was like kind of like a little bit more like futuristic yeah. looking. Like they were wearing like not quite Halo, but like well, like Call of Duty fans. Like they had like yeah. helmets and they were all black and like shiny. And they had bullpup weapons. Cause sure, because they're more advanced. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Well, I mean, and Battlefield has historically been all multiplayer, um, and then eventually created a single player. Now they're trending even more that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like trying to incorporate story elements into a multiplayer framework, that's something I was only really aware of in Titanfall. I mean, maybe other games have tried to do it. Now, other games um, definitely have. I mean, you could arguably, you know, World of Warcraft or like other sure. MMO games have tried to do it. Um, you can look at Fortnite arguably has like an evolving story, with, but without dialogue or like, it, like it's just like things occur and change. Yeah. It's, there's no like main characters or anything. Right. Um, what, what, uh, what was I saying? Was it, what I'm curious to see is, you know, they've always kind of had Call of Duty for a long time was kind of doing, you know, they alternate between developers usually yeah. uh, to keep on that yearly cycle. And I'm curious if this is a black ops thing as far as moving all the way to multiplayer only mm. or, and and then next year the regular numbered or cause it's not infinity war anymore, right? No. Oh, this one was, I can't remember who did this one. Um, well, Treyarch did this. Treyarch did this one. Right. But I mean, it was Infinity Ward and Treyarch. It was Infinity Ward and Treyarch. And that and might Treyarch be. Treyarch is the ones that like did black ops. Yes. But, Infinity Ward split with Activision, I thought. So maybe they did. But last year, know. so the last the release <laughs> last year was Call of Duty World War Two. That obviously had a single player yeah. component. Um, and then obviously Black Ops has now gone to all multiplayer. So I'm wondering if it's going to be an every other year type thing where there is a story mode next year. I mean, we'll see. I think what the success is of this rate because yeah. if they were to say switch to a different developer and remove the blackout, like remove Battle Royale. Like, they wouldn't do that if Battle Royale is, like, the most played version of Call of Duty. Unless they're making enough money from Blackout that they can just... That that Blackout exists in Black Ops 4 for the next year, two or three years. And in between, they're releasing a different, a different... Traditionally, they haven't quite supported older versions of their game when they release a new one. Yeah. Um... And That's like, what worries me most. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they could maybe keep Blackout alive by having different DLCs just for Blackout. Yeah. Um, they've kind of... I don't think they've really discussed making that the policy, though. Right. I still think that they want Call of Duty Black Ops 4 to be their game for a year or a year and a half or two years. 
And then whatever the next one is, they want everyone to go and buy that new game. Yeah. They've existed on that platform for a while. Now. That's true. And so far, the way that they're structuring their season pass is kind of based along that lines. Doesn't mean That's it's going to change, but they're using a very traditional pricing structure for what Call of Duty is. Yeah, it's not like, it's not, there's no time limit to the season pass that would imply, hey, next year you'll buy another season pass, or hey, in three months you'll buy another season pass. It's just one. So, yeah. who knows? But maybe um, it's possible that market forces of people playing Blackout would change how they want to do yeah. things. And you, you, we're at a point now with consoles that the idea, I mean, the idea that I guess Destiny kind of tried to do on a console of one game that continues to be up to trying to move that wow model of one game that persists. They haven't perfected it either, but they definitely have like basically the equivalent of like annual season passes in the form of like, um, big content DLC patches sure. so that they, they're kind of releasing a new game. It's still almost on like an every year basis, but instead of buying a whole new game, well, you're buying a DLC for it. What well, I'm talking less about, out. I guess I'm talking less about the, the payment model and more about like the technological limits. Like, wow, was able, wow, was a game that was just in what, 2003 or something crazy, yeah. I think. And people are still playing it to, to yeah. To I mean, today. arguably, well, it's not the long. That's like probably like Counter Strike or something. But what they've done is pretty impressive. Now they have released basically content updates and changes that have basically redone they've, the entire thing. They've released content updates. They've released gameplay. You know, they, they've they've completely reworked. You know, every balance, aspect, every aspect of every it, aspect of to it. include performance. Whereas where like people like machines that could run it fantastically in 2003 have been left behind oh yeah and that is something that at least the way console releases console hardware releases are developing now i could see happening i I think it's realistically possible to do on a console now where you have a game that continues to get content updates that even update the graphics but stay within a console generation? But stay within... So we have the Xbox One and the Xbox One X, right? And then Xbox One X2, whatever, is next, <laughs> right? And maybe Xbox One becomes more of a platform than a specific console generation. And five years from now, you could still have the same game that was released this year, and it leaves the, the One X in the dust, but it still works on the newer one. You know what I it's mean? It's possible. I yeah. think... I think now it, it it's the closest we've ever been on consoles for something like that to happen. I think we're definitely moving towards that because, I mean, just compare the way that we used to buy games. Like, it's radically different. Right. Having most of the gameplay being online and on servers kind of allows that to be a Oh, yeah. That, this. that helps a lot. And digital releases also help that because you yep. can, you're modifying, you can easily modify and update a save file on a console or PC, then you, you know, you're obviously not writing on the disc. Yeah. So that changes the way you can do it. I think it comes down a bit to like the monetary side of things. Yeah. And the games that embrace that more have other pay as you play options. Yeah. Whereas Call of Duty has not embraced that. So it, much. it would be a dramatic shift in Call of Duty's payment plan to, to or payment model yeah. for it to happen. I yeah. would agree. They would kind of have to do what 
Actually, it would be almost exactly what, because when Destiny first was released, it had a season pass. Yeah. For the two small DLCs. And then the, the, uh, Taken King came out, and they were like, even if you bought the season pass, you still, you still have to pay for this <laughs> one. And everyone was like, what? Yeah. So now they've kind of like redefined that, like, into like a year, like, year one pass or something yeah. like that. Or, so, I mean, they could do it. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm definitely just, and maybe it's, I'm just excited to play a game. That I'm works. excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I am so with you. It, uh, uh I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We got to finish this podcast so we can. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> play some so more. we're going to, we're going to move on from our discussion of, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4 and Blackout. This is not sponsored content, by the way. No. We are not big enough to be sponsored no, content. If only. But yeah, we're gonna move it. We're doing a gonna do a bit of a beer review next. We got we have three different beers here. Yep. And we're gonna we're gonna try them out and uh, tell you what we think. So while we've been talking about Call of Duty, uh, we've been sipping on Great Lakes Brewing Company's Commodore Perry IPA. Uh, this is really good. This is my first time having it. Um, I think you've had it before. Yeah. Uh, our mutual friend John is a big fan of Great Lakes. Uh, it's a an Ohio beer company, so not the same state, but still fairly fairly local sure. to us. And um, yeah, I I actually it's an enjoyable beer. It's not it's like West Coasty as I kind of like my IPAs, but it's still solid. Yeah, solid on the drinkability scale. Yeah, so it's like seventy IBUs. It's seven point seven alcohol content by volume, which isn't bad for a. Uh, for an IPA whatsoever. It's got a bit, bit of history here. Uh, named after uh, Commodore Perry from the War of 1812. And uh, did some Googling. Father of the modernization of the U.S. Navy. Father of the Steam Navy. Father of the Steam Navy. Steam Navy, yeah. Back when that was, you know, the cool the cool stuff, man. The new hotness. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I, I like it quite a bit. It's got a little bit of a I guess a malty. Yeah, it's got it's a definitely malt. more malt than, yeah. than it's I not, guess the West. It's not floral. Yeah. Uh it's malty. But it's also not heavy. It's only 70 IBUs. It's not no. super yeah. bitter. Um so the result is something that's in my opinion, you know, pretty it's pretty solid. I hope I don't sound crazy or or like a troglodyte for saying this, but it does actually remind me of the that West Lighter in twelve. A little bit. Maybe that's the maltiness. I think that's the maltiness, um, but no, I know it's not entirely like they're different. Yeah. But it, it I, I, I see what you're going at. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So we're going to move on. I yep. think, uh, we have next, this is, oh, this is. so we've, we've talked about craft brews <laughs> mostly. This is really but strange. We we're actually going to sample a Budweiser, but no, no, don't turn off the podcast. This isn't your regular Budweiser. This is Budweiser's Copper Lager, and it's aged in Jim Bean barrels. Yeah. And it's in these weird, small, old-timey bottles. Yeah. And they're, and they're selling it at, a, at like a craft beer kind of price. So we're looking at like eight-something for a six-pack, which is, I mean, it's still a bit cheaper, but it's definitely, you know, they're, they're clearly aiming at the, the craft brew market a bit. Okay. Beer. So you said it was aged in Jim Beam Jim barrels. Beam barrels. Mm-hmm. Now, what is a barrel stave? Do you know what a barrel stave is? 
Because this says aged on real barrel staves, which almost sounds like that means nothing. It almost sounds like they just like placed a carboy or their vat or something on a piece of wood. I don't think <laughs> that that's, uh, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see. What is a barrel stave? People ask on Google, what is brew barrel stave? with two row barley aged on real gin brew bourbon barrel so, staves for a toasted oak aroma, nutty taste, caramel, rye, and vanilla notes. Channeling our president a little bit there. I'm just reading <laughs> the way you're pronouncing things. <laughs> it's got the best notes. The best notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's crack this up. Let's crack it. What's going on? Thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you guys... What are you doing, Jim Beam? It's overflowing. Just just sip it. It's not that crazy. It's crazy. I'm going to get a napkin. All right. Am I just... Am I just, just vamping? Vamp, yeah. I'm vamping. I'm vamping. Yeah. All right. Actually, my first impression is like, this is not... This is not terrible. That's my review. Done. <laughs> Move on. No. Um, what is your opinion of normal Budweiser? If anyone can hear me. <laughs> Rom's asking what my opinion of normal Budweiser is. And I would respond, it's not a very high opinion. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's like, you know, you're at a ball game. It's the only beer that's less than $20. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, so okay. no, no, it's, Bud, it's Budweiser in my regular, like, beer drinking. Budweiser or Bud Light? Why would I drink Bud Light? I have no idea. I don't. I seriously question. You stay, hyd- so you stay hydrated. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> literal piss water. <laughs> no, this right. is like I don't know. I, I still don't see myself ever going out of my way to drink this. Yeah, um, but I guess it does kind of taste a little coppery. Is that what it's called? Copper lager. Copper lager. I don't. Is that like copperhead? Like. Like a snake. Snake juice. Never had any of that in Japan. No. Habusaki. Snake in a sake jar. I did have an opportunity. There was like an option when I was in Vietnam. There was like a a trip that was supposed to go to like this like snake village where like you eat like parts of a snake and drink like Kobaroski and stuff. Yeah. But uh, I didn't do it. (laughs) At least uncooked. So you can eat snake uncooked. It's it's perfectly fine. Like there's no okay, um, just a survival tip for you guys. Wow. And uh, Mr. Bear Grills over here, <laughs> Mr. Ginger uh, Grills tastes like nothing. <laughs> I mean, the closest thing it might taste to is like maybe a, a what some type of white fish. I think I've had snake before in something. Yeah, but it wasn't like by itself. Uh, as far as the beer goes, yeah, I don't, back to the beer. I don't know. I I don't have an opinion on this. I guess, what did you say? It's fine? Yeah. Yeah, it's not terrible. It does taste better than regular Budweiser, mm-hmm. I would think. Mm-hmm. You know, but is this, I think I think the real question is, this is clearly done to try to bring craft beer drinking people back yeah. to drinking Budweiser. I think they put right. it in an old-timey bottle with an old-timey label. It's a you cool know, bottle. They, they, you know, they, no, it is, it is kind of a cool bottle. It's different. It's like shorter. Yeah. Um... It reminds me a little bit of uh, Red Stripe. Yeah, exactly. Shape. Yeah, very similar. Um, very kind of like old-fashioned looking label. You know, they throw like 
the Jim Bean, like, you know, it's age a certain way, but it's not. I think if you, like, if you like craft beer, there's not a lot of reason for you to buy this as opposed to anything else. Do you, I'm not super familiar with Jim Beam, but can, is there anything in this that makes you think Jim Beam when you taste it? I mean, not really. I mean, I guess I sort of get a bit of the oaky yeah. bits to it. Like So, uh, you know, so someone who's a Jim Beam drinker, it, it wouldn't even be... I mean, I think if you're, if you're drinking Jim Bean, you're probably also drinking Budweiser because <laughs> it's not a very high end uh, bourbon. Yeah, I actually have been drinking their like, actually did buy a lot of their their rye. They're like pre prohibition rye. It's not a terrible rye, but okay, that was a little bit more on the the dollar choices than yeah. the uh, sure <laughs> than pure cost. Sure, sure, but it's not that rye. Okay. But their reg- but their regular bourbon is not. Like, I, don't know, I, I generally only drink whiskey straight, so, like, if it's not flavorful, like, enjoyable as much for me to drink it straight, like, I'm probably not going to buy it. That kind of keeps me out of the, like, bottom shelf. Sure. And Jim Bean's kind of, like, right on that line where, like, I don't prefer it straight. Like, okay. it needs ice okay. for me. Well, aged on real bur- barrel staves. So... I looked up what a stave was. Yeah. And it's like a piece of, you know, like a barrel's like got all the pieces of wood that all form into the barrel. Mm-hmm. Like that, one of those is a stave. So do they just like take one of them and shove it into the beer? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I get maybe, yeah, maybe they like break up a barrel and drop the bits into yeah, the beer in the fermenter. I, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's an option. It's weird that they say that and not regular. Not like aged in bourbon barrels. Maybe because that would make it way too small batch. And this is still clearly Uh, like mass marketed. Sure. So they found a way to put the staves into their big fermenters. Yeah. Or, um, yeah. Yeah. Into the fermenters. It's like when a fast food restaurant calls their milkshakes hand spun. Um, But they're really. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're using a machine. Yeah. That's a good comparison. This (laughs) is the equivalent of the like. The Angus burgers at McDonald's or something like that. They're like, it's a restaurant burger, but it's from McDonald's. And yeah. we're like, no, no, bro. That's not what that is. That's me spending too much money at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I can't believe you don't like the Big Mac. Get out of here. The Big Mac is dumb. The Big Mac is an American There is icon. <laughs> no, two major problems with the Big Mac. One, that middle piece of bread, which serves no purpose. It's like, oh, we'll make it look like a club sandwich to look fancy. False. <laughs> you look stupid. And two, shitty out-of-season iceberg lettuce shredded does nothing for that sandwich. <laughs> that is why the quarter pounder is way better than the Big So Mac. should I get the quarter pounder with Big Mac sauce on it? Oh, yeah. That's totally acceptable. I love sauce. Maybe I'll try that. No. I mean, any the ultimate goal of any fast food burger is to try to get as close to the In-N-Out double-double animal style as you can. <laughs> Because that's the best one, hands down. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, In-N-Out is like one yeah. of the few fast food places. I don't think there's hard, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. Um, now, theirs does have lettuce and tomato, which are arguably can be a bit of a weak point in the double-double. I disagree. I but think it's also, it's local, it's California exactly. where that stuff goes year-round, sh- so it's kind of in season. It's a strength. I mean, the, one of the reasons they've been so slow to expand is because of their standards for their produce. Yeah. At but least no, that's what that they was say. literally the first thing I landed in California. 
this past year when I, when I finally made it back to the States was uh, first thing I did was go, well, I got my car and then drove across the parking lot. <laughs> I usually don't do animal style on the burgers. Um, animal style fries. Mm. No. The fries. The, the, the fries, the fries it, is very good, animal style. But on the burger, because you get the mustard grill on the burger, yeah. you get the um, sauteed onions in there. Like that flavor. No, that animal style on the burger is like required, in my opinion. And to make it an in and out, like the best of the in and out burger. Yeah. Otherwise, it's okay. just like a burger. See, well, I get grilled, I'll get the grilled onions. I just don't okay. the full animal style. I don't know. Uh, okay. Um, and, and thus concludes our episode of the Pittsburgh prog- podcast. Pittsburgher spelled like burger. Oh, yeah. Oh, the little sub podcast. Yeah, our sub podcast. The Pittsburgher. <laughs> don't, don't turn off your podcast. We're still oh, talking. We got, we got one more beer. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Because, you know, phones have dials now. <laughs> Okay, well, let's move on to the last yeah, one. Yeah, I don't really want to take the rest of this. <laughs> yeah, well, not on air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for our last one, we're going to do the Deschutes Hopzite. I'm going to say that again. Hopzite Autumn IPA. Zeit um, is German for spirit. Uh, or or time. 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 Yeah. Man, Zeitgeist threw me yeah, off. Exactly. It's the other way. It's the other way. I'm okay. Confused. So, yeah. So Hop this, time. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. So, it's a combination of like an IPA with like mm. a Marzen beer, like German autumn beer. Uh, yeah. It's the style of beer that's most emulated when like American breweries do like an Oktoberfest style beer. And, uh,. So where's Deschutes? Deschutes is fairly large. They're from Oregon. Oregon. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh seven percent, sixty IBUs. Um, I'm not super familiar with Oktoberfest beers to begin with, mm-hmm. um, but I can definitely tell how it's different than a regular IPA. Yeah, it's definitely very malty. Yeah, like you can like chew this beer. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels like thicker. It's good though. I do yeah, like I'm liking it. it. It's a good blend. Like it definitely, you know, summer is definitely a time in my mind for a little bit more floral in the IPA point. And this isn't quite as like heavy as like the Sierra Nevada like torpedo sure. beer where it's like basically bread. But like, <laughs> you know, this is kind of a nice in between of like phase. And like, just look at this bottle for a second. It's a hop, but it's like, changing color and the bits are like falling off like it's leaves like i do like that out of like oh like one thing you will never have us we will not drink on this podcast is any kind of pumpkin beer because they're <laughs> terrible so if we're looking at like seasonal beers like this is definitely a little bit more i think this is a good way of doing it you're appropriating maybe maybe appropriating <laughs> strong but but you're taking a, a a traditional style of beer for one thing and you're combining it with another it's kind of like our first beer that was like we picked the box as an IPA, but it was a Belgian IPA because yeah. we used a Belgian yeast. Yeah, I feel this is on on, on similar lines. Yeah, um, so yeah. I honestly like it's a it's a thumbs up for me. Like I'm I'm digging it. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't know. I don't know what more I can say about it. Um, 
I think uh, I think some of the best beers that I've had are those hybrids where mm-hmm. they they take two established styles and mix them in an interesting way. Yeah, um, that's something that I look for now, like when I go to places. And I think some of the times we've been disappointed on the podcast is when we try something that like, oh, we think this looks interesting. And then they go for a very like middle of the road version of that beer. Yeah. I think not to shit on it, but like I think that was like our general impression of what of what we tried at Hitchhikers. Yeah. Was that it was just like a little too safe. Yeah. With its choices. Yeah, I think so. Beer. Yeah. Um and I, I mean, considering where it is in the suburbs, maybe Yeah, <laughs> that, I feel I definitely feel that that's that's part of it. Um, you know. But, yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, we didn't really talk about the label. We talked a little bit about the design on the Jim Beam uh, X Budweiser thing. Um, we didn't really talk about the Great Lakes. No, one. we didn't. I like it. I think it's fairly it's fairly simple. Like they have a kind of a uniform look to all their labels yeah. across their different designs. But it's kind of got this nice, like almost like oil painting s, like Commodore Perry. You know, the backbone of a couple of like sailing ships on Lake Erie. You know. Yeah, I, it's it's definitely you know talking. I mean, we're getting a little bit less away from beer and more towards like graphic design or maybe we always, marketing. We always talk about the labels. We do always talk about the labels, but for me, I think I like seeing more variety. Like, I understand the reasoning of having all of your labels having big Great Lakes at the top. I understand that. You know, it's easier for people to find them in the store, etc. Mm-hmm. But I do like when there's a little bit less, like this, the shoots. It's not quite as in your face. They still have all the same, you know, neck label. Yeah. Um, but there's more room to have that that artwork on there. I think for Deschutes, what I really like is their area on the side. So they switch to like uh, from let's go with portrait to like landscape on the side. It has a really nice breakdown of like they talk about the flavor profile. They talk about like they have a nice. Set up for like the IPU and the alcohol content is very clear. Yeah. Um, you know, they talk, you know, they have a little bit about their brewery and their like bottling conditions and stuff. I, yeah, I definitely appreciate it's a good setup. When brews, uh, like the shoots, for example, I mean, it has that, like you said, that it talks about the profile. I, I like when they explain kind of what the purpose of the beer was, you know? Yeah, it, it gives you a good setup if you don't know what you're looking for because it yeah. helps you pick the beer that you want to drink based on like, you know, what experience you like. Yeah. Uh, I think the more information you put on a label that's useful, the better. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of hate when it's just like, you know, some splashy art thing and then just like, it's an IPA. Because especially IPAs, there's so many different flavor yes. profiles within yes. that kind of beer. It can be light and hoppy, it can be multi and bold. Uh, so like you never know, like when I'm just sitting at a, you know, at a bar or a restaurant and they have an IPA list, there's often like not a lot of detail and I'm like, I have no idea if this is going to be the kind of IPA I like. You kind of have to like talk to the bartender and be like, what, like, tell me about this beer. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, of these three, oh man, I've got the hiccups. That's not good for a drinking podcast. Yeah, not good for the podcast at least. <laughs> Um, I'm going to pause it actually real quick. Okay. Okay. So of these three, which would you say is your favorite? Well, I think it's easy to rank our least favorite based on what we're talking about. So, <laughs> so it really comes down to two. Sure. And I've been a fan 
Our least favorite is obviously the Great Lakes. No. <laughs> so I was going to say, I've been a fan of Commodore Perry for a while. I've had yeah. it for a few years. Um, so it was a known for me. Um, but honestly, the one that I think I'm most impressed by, and uh, I'm really digging this to shoots, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's a great combination, like I guess, of styles. Uh, and because of that, it's really fitting for like this time of year. I yeah. try to drink. Very seasonally when it comes to beer. Sure. So, yeah, my vote is for the hop site, man. Okay. Um, I think my vote's for the Great Lakes. Um, oh, okay. Okay. I really, I mean, I feel like I could easily drink drink that any time of year. Mm. Um, well, lucky for you, it's available every time of year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I do like the hop site, though. It's a close second. Um, Budweiser is a distant third. Very, very, very distant. <laughs> uh, the Budweiser X Jim Beam. I kind of wish they would have done... I It would have been even... It would have been funny for, if it was like some modern label and it was just like Budweiser X Jim Beam. You know? <laughs> they like... They just throw out like... Dilly dilly! <laughs> Wait. Is that someone else? <laughs> no, it's, it's Bud Light. Oh, it's Bud Light. Okay. It's still the same company. Same company. Which is the... Yeah. I hate that ad campaign. So much. I don't think I've told this story on the pod. Oh, then let's hear it. The first time I heard Dilly Dilly was at a an army function. Uh, it was like an army banquet. We're all dressed up in our you know nice uniforms. Was this the return from deployment uh, one? Um, well, it was shortly after I returned from deployment, but it okay. was just an annual type of you know dining in. Yeah, is what the army calls them. Um, so we're all dressed up in our fancy dress uniforms and everything, and. Having a good old time, and uh, we flew all our airplanes out to to the headquarters and everything. And someone said "dilly dilly," and I was like, "That's that's kind of funny." You know, I heard heard it across the room. At this point, I had never seen the ad campaign right at all. You know, because I, I think my first introduction of it because like only neither of us own like TV. We yeah, just, like, stream everything. I'm a cord cutter, so you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, anyways. <laughs> Um, but like, so the first time I really saw it was the Super Bowl commercials. Yes. Yeah. So no, it was an ad campaign far, like long before the Super Bowl commercials. And so uh, apparently, so people were saying <laughs> it at the dining and, and like the first time I heard it was like, eh, whatever. And then like people kept doing it. I was like, oh, this is kind of funny. And we just kept, you know, I went with yeah, it and yeah. I was, I was part of the dilly dilly that night. And months later, I'm pretty sure at the Super Bowl, you know, I saw one of their ads on TV, and I was like, "Wait, what? That's what that was about?" Like, you were co-opted by the man. I was, I was, yeah, exactly. I felt so betrayed. I was like, <laughs> I thought that was something silly and fun that somebody came up with on the spot. Someone did, but they came up with it to sell you, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, suffice to say, I, I felt betrayed. Um, but. Yeah, no, I think this label, I mean, obviously, like you said, the label makes sense for what they're going for. They're trying to get to, you know, get into the crapper. I think that's exactly what they're trying to do. But at the same time, like, anytime there's, like, a crossover, I just want, like, modern font with, like, X between them, you know. (laughs) But X, I I think it had, like, potential to be something that was okay. But, like, it's really, it ended up still being me. Probably because, like, it's still... Just Budweiser. Well, age here's a question. Right? Like, what, it's not like it's a radically different. It's not like Budweiser made like an IPA. What could? Yeah. So, could Budweiser make an IPA? 
if they did, I would try it. And if I liked it, maybe I would buy it. Especially if they had the distribution or because they're making it a big facility, if it was like significantly cheaper. Yeah. But it was still like good. Like, you know, that I enjoyed it. Then yeah, I would like, I like to think that I buy mostly based on like the content of the beer. Like I also do like supporting like local places sure. and like smaller breweries as sure. well. Um, but you wouldn't simply be turned off by the no, not, not if it was like a really good beer. Yeah, and particularly like I see a good value of like, especially if it was like had distribution at like uh, like restaurants and bars on the same scale. Yeah, like if Budweiser made an IPA that was like on every tap that also Can had Bud Light and yeah. Budweiser. Yeah, and was priced like Bud Light and Budweiser at bars. Like that would be a win. Like yeah. I think people that would get people to drink it. <laughs> yeah, you I know? think you're right. Because that's also another area where, like, you're talking about the difference between like a four dollar beer and like an eight dollar beer at a bar. Sure, you know. Um, but yeah, this this is a mess for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. Um, so no pumpkin beers on the horizon. No, we will not. What we will not make. And we in, will not drink <laughs> in your. In your calendar of drinking seasonally, mm-hmm. what comes after Oktoberfest beers? Uh, well, Oktoberfest beers and and kind of like, I just kind of like, as the days get shorter, we shift towards darker and darker beers. Uh, so kind of like after this kind of like fall era, I'm, I'm kind of like already almost like jumped there because I've done this a bit, but like Stouts and Borders. Stouts and Borders. Comes in the winter. Okay. I mean, I kind of like, I will drink an IPA kind of like anywhere, though I kind of will switch between like the floral and the malty sure. variety. Sure. Um, but yeah, stouts and porters are, are some winter drinking for you. For is sure. there, is there such a thing, you know, we talked about like kind of the hybrid nature of this, this Oktoberfest mm-hmm. IPA. Um, is there such a thing as like, IPAs and porters hybrid, hybridized Ooh. or IPAs and stouts? Is that, Something that is no, feasible I, in your mind? Or does it exist even? I don't know. I I think there's some possibility. I don't know how... Because, I mean, stouts and porters, neither of which have hops. Yeah. Like primary flavor. Right. So I'd be interested to see. Maybe we're going to try to do some kind of Frankensteinian <laughs> thing this winter. Try to do something like really like dark. Yeah. Maybe cool. Maybe dry hop it a bit. Like see see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe 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 we'll try to do that, man. Be that yeah. scientist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all on board. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Any any other uh, topics you want to talk, discuss today? Any any more comments on the beers? No, I think I think we've kind of like talked our way in circles. You know, kind of around this beer. Um, yeah. We we haven't really started talking about like. Our next brew yet? No. Maybe the next podcast. We'll come up with you guys with a plan yeah. to uh, of what we're doing. Maybe maybe we've already started it. We'll see. We're both pretty uh, pretty busy now. Yep. Uh, as opposed to before, but we might. We'll probably find some time to get something going. Oh, I'm sure. for sure. And if not, we'll at least have some some reviews and more musings about some nerd topic. I'm yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, so uh, this has been an episode of the Pittsburgh Podcast. I'm Adam. I'm Rob. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers.